Gods had infected the seas for generations. So I vowed to eliminate them all. And then, there was this boy. Jack Sparrow. I thought we were lifeguards. Everything that you guys are talking about sounds like a really entertaining but far-fetched TV show. Hello and welcome back to The Substandard, sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. Stop spending a fortune on gimmicky shave tech you don't need. Make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. Get your first month for only 5 bucks with free shipping by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. I'm Victor Mattis along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. I'd like to remind you that the substandard is available on iTunes and Google Play. Just look at our podcasts and search for the substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave a review. Speaking of which, they just keep on coming in. We're grateful. The more reviews, the more we get around. Like a record, as Drew says on Office Space. Uh, is there one? <laughs> well played. Okay, thank you. Well played. Is, I love that guy. Ooh, is, whoop, whoop. <laughs> right. is, is there one we particularly like? Uh, I Sonny. Am, I was a big fan of J.S. Van Norman, uh, May 28, 2017. Ha, title, Wife Not Impressed. Five stars. To quote my wife, do you really listen to this? <laughs> and frankly, there's no higher uh, uh, compliment. Than Strong, that, really. That's the. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, Mr. Mr. J. S. Van Norman, please uh, drop me at Sunny Bunch or at JV Last or at Victorino Mattis uh, a tweet, and we will we will figure out how to uh, let your wife know that you listen to us all mm-hmm. the time. I love him. We got He's a, we got sassy. A he speaks his mind. There's love nothing it. sexier. Give him a shirt. Uh, yes. That's, Which, by the way, we have. We have some shirts now. That's the that was the big surprise. I was I was trying to to keep a secret from everyone <laughs> until they started getting their prizes and like tweeting about them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I haven't sent any of the t shirts out yet, so uh, this is my own fault. Uh, they're in the mail, guys. I don't know how that works. You'll have to explain <laughs> it. Okay. Um, in addition, I just want to remind everybody that the substandard show notes posted by Jonathan Last are available uh, every Friday at eleven a.m. at Not- weekly. Every not every Friday. Friday. Have we missed? One? I I got a I got a text really? message. I got a text message from JBL Uh-oh. on Friday at like three p.m. and I was like busy, so I didn't see it until like seven or eight p.m. Uh, saying like, "Oh crap, I didn't do show notes this week." Available so, most Fridays. Available most <laughs> Fridays. Fridays. I, it's all right. Could, I'm sure I it's fine. I've got some links I can send over. Okay. Uh, how are we doing, JVL? Great. Fantastic weekend. I got a new watch. I'm a watch Ooh, guy. Are you a watch guy? I am such a watch guy. There are people you're there are people who I don't think there's anybody in between. Either you have like one or two watches or you have like ten watches. Yes. I so I have not owned a watch since I was probably eighteen or so. Whenever I started carrying a cell phone all the time is when I stopped wearing watches. Wow. Because watches are one of these redundancies that modernity has chosen to eliminate and yet and yet some people persist. I love it. I've been a watch guy since I was like eight years old and got my first watch, which is a video game watch where there, you're a tank trying to make it across a bridge while uh, planes drop bombs on you. And are I, you the are you the bridge or, or like I don't understand tank. how does that you're trying to avoid the bombs oh, and get across the bridge. And I, I went to Quaker school, and part of Quaker school <laughs> was you had to sit for an hour every week at Quaker meeting on Wednesdays. And for an eight-year-old, that is an interminable amount of time. And so I figured out a way to mute the volume on it and sit by myself and 
move the tank. Were your hands below the desk just like that you were doing just now? Or? Yeah, no, you, you're, you're in the meeting house. You're oh, in the meeting oh, house. Oh, oh, oh. And so, every, so, so you're the on like benches? Keep, you're on benches, but because the teachers can't move around, they're sitting, and the teachers were actually like into it and meditating and praying and do whatever. Quake, a meeting house? What am I picturing a scene from The Crucible? A like little bit like the village. Like that. It's yeah. a little bit like the village. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was great. And so I'm a watch guy, and I we, one of our one of my buddies, Jason O'Connell, who I met just through email through the show, and even before the show, he is also a watch guy. And the two of us constantly, like four times a week, email each other like pictures, like just watch porn. Like, oh, look at this new bouquet. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh the Patek Philippe Turbulent. Oh, and, and we are. Is, that's, this is, that's watch porn or watch porn. This that's is what I want to know. If, if Jason and I both wind up uh, single man and alone, it's going to be because we goaded each other into making horrible life decisions is, that have to do with horology. This is some. This is somehow even worse than the comic book collection. I. This is uh, you know. Do you own watches, a pocket JVL? Do you? Under, I don't understand. Do you own a pocket watch? A fob? No, but I tell you this. I, I someday I'm gonna find a way to get some publication to send me to Basel World to write a piece about Basel. I want to do in the way that everybody discovered Comic Con mm-hmm. 15 years ago mm-hmm. and started doing mainstream pieces about. Oh, look at Comic Con! Mm-hmm. It's this crazy thing mm-hmm. in San Diego with all these nerds. Mm-hmm. I want to do that for watches because there is the Comic Con of watches is Basel World in Switzerland. Yes. It is every year where all the watchmakers bring out their new things <laughs> mm-hmm. and. It, it's just insanity. Yeah, but, but the difference is, I mean, the difference here, of course, is that, you know, at Comic-Con, they're rolling out things that, you know, tens of millions of people are going to be watching uh, in the United States. Whereas Watch World is for like 17 people who buy a, a thousand watches each. <laughs> right. But the price point works. Right. right. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying, some of these watches are. Now, my, not, watch, I'm not, my new watch is entirely responsibly look, priced. Look, Sonny, look, I will look, have you know. I'm not saying. Hi, I'm honey. Not, I'm not. I'm not saying that the that the economic uh, disparity is enormous, though I'm sure it, it is. Uh, I'm just saying that, like the in sheer number, the numbers of people who are interested in this. Sure, will. but think about it this way: yeah. what, what makes a great piece is an examination of people's obsessions. Right? These are um, so many great essays, long form essays, are about examining the peculiar obsessions of subsets mm-hmm. of people. Which is why I think Hello Vanity Fair editors. A piece about the nutcases who go to Basel yeah. World would be really interesting. Vanity Fair heard this, and they are now sending Michael Lewis. The hive. So, <laughs> so it's, sorry, it's already a sorry, book. Funny because it's know. true. Actually, actually, Ben Mesrich wrote it, and it's now a movie by Aaron Sorkin. He just wrote the screenplay. So, it's, uh, um, good you, idea, though. Yeah, good idea, thanks. Though. It works that fast, by the way. Yeah. From the author of the Social Network. Um, did you own a Swatch? No. I did. Really? No. Oh, I did. No, too. I owned oh. my, my go-to watch back then was the Freestyle Shark, which was... Is that it's like funny. a Timex? No, it's it's a low-rent, entry-level uh, surf watch back when I... Before <laughs> I was a surfer when I in high school, <laughs> when I knew that spiritually I wanted what? to be a surfer. So it was before I started surfing, I wore I wore that. And anyway, I've had a lot, a lot of watches over the years, but not enough watches. And yeah. You need I've more already, watches. I have already got my eye on the Grand Seiko Snowflake. And <laughs> I have a question. Okay. I, I I do have one. Yeah. I have one. one. I, I'm the guy who watches the James Bond movies, not for the girls, <laughs> but for the Omega Seamaster to see which Seamaster he's wearing. I have. I do have one question for you that might maybe too personal. Feel free not to answer. Yeah. What would you say is the upper limit on the amount of money that you can justify spending on a watch. We'll have, as, to, we'll have as to bleep an adult, this. We'll bleep this if, Sh- uh, if Shannon's listening. As an adult, 
uh, with many children who has like family responsibilities, what would you say is an irresponsible amount of money to spend on a watch? I will answer that offline. Okay. <laughs> if you're curious about this, tweet at JB yes, Last. Exactly. Just let him. Let him. Uh, you know what, Jason? I will let Jason tweet at you the answer. Okay. The proper answer. Okay. I have a guess, but I'm not going to say. Sonny, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we went to the zoo this weekend. Sesame Place uh, two weekends ago. The zoo last weekend. Look at weekend. the father of the year. I'm, totally. I, uh, you know, I, I, it's it's really fun. We were. It was very. It was actually very exciting. We were in the. Uh, we were in the the. We were looking at the elephants and. You know, Katie's like, oh, look, elephants. She's not actually saying anything. She's just kind of like like staring mutely because she's little. She doesn't really know. But the but it was very exciting because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm standing there watching and all of a sudden I saw an antelope go running by the elephants. And I was like, oh, that's very I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's nice. They have, you know, other safari wildlife in with the elephants. And oh, oh wait. And then I realized, no, that's actually a deer. A deer has jumped from Rock Creek Park into the elephant enclosure, and we missed this because we moved on. You know, we had we had things to go to, but like they had to drink it, right? The, but the oh, but no. the elephants like freaked out. Yeah, they're they like really they're are. you know their trunks are in the air and they're they're like circling the herd because you know they're terrified of this this uh, interloper in their in their uh, their den. Uh, but yeah, they this it's not as I don't think it was as traumatic as when the uh, deer got into the lion enclosure at the National Zoo a few oh, years back. Oh, that's fresh meat. That was that was bad. But this was this was I mean the deer I mean the the elephants aren't gonna you know like stomp the deer to death. They might, but I don't think they could catch. Do you it. think they might be? But is it like a mouse thing? Are they going to be scared or freaked out by the deer? Like oh, elephants what is aren't this? scared of mice. Vic, <laughs> this is like this is what is this? Everything Vic knows about this comes from Tom and Jerry. Yes. <laughs> what are you talking about, Sonny? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I uh, I mean, I think the, deer, the stampede. Happens. I think the deer the deer were scared, but they were probably scared of getting Lyme disease from the disgusting deer that are roaming the DC and its suburbs. Honestly, the fact that we have to deal with this this uh, large rat infestation known as the deer herds in DC is really like marks us as a third world city. It's what is your daughter's favorite animal at the zoo? She uh, well she really this is liked a progression of yeah, yeah. age. Well she so she you can really, tell what age a kid is by what their favorite She really animal is. liked the the uh, sand cats because oh. she because we were in the small mammal house oh, yeah, and sure. and she is like I mean she's only like yeah. You know, two feet tall or whatever. So she can barely see in there. But like the sand cat was right at her eye level. And it's like running back and forth in front of her. And she was like, kitty cat, Aww. kitty cat, kitty cat over and over again. We tried to go to the, the next exhibit where there were other cats. And she was like, no, no, kitty cat. So oh, we had to stay there stay for like there. five minutes. Did you get her a little sand cat stuffed animal? No, we, we didn't get any stuffed animals on this trip. You don't it do was, stuffed animals? For we do some stuffed animals, but she was... She was pretty tired and out of it by the end, so she wasn't clamoring for something. So we were. I I once did a jury duty with uh, one of yes. the guys. I, one of the guys yes. on, the, on in the jury. Tell this story. Yes, one of the guys on the jury worked at the National Zoo. So I said, oh, and we were there for several days. So I had uh, impaneled. So uh, I had all sorts of questions for him, and one of the questions I had was about uh, orangutans, and he says. That in fact, they're, it's terrifying because their grip because they have O rings. Can you just make this clear? So, oh, well, that too. Understand yeah, the that. National yeah, Zoo. Yeah, yeah. They have this system. They call them the O ring system, which are high, giant poles connected by heavy cables, which allow the orangutans to move around throughout the zoo, suspended above the air. Yeah, above Except the people. Yeah. Sometimes the orangutans decide to come down. Yes, it's it's so so. How they prevent that is it's electrified. Right. 
Uh, and either, so most orangutans, oh, I don't like that feeling. But one day, he says, orangutan decides, I can deal with it. I can deal with the pain because he realizes. <laughs> I can take it. Yeah. They're problem solvers. Oh, no, sorry. That's a, that was the philosopher. <laughs> he, was, he, was testing, he was testing. He was testing the perimeter. The, the perimeter. Yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, and so he decides uh, to come down onto the main level, the path where all the tourists are, and everyone freaks out and runs away. And he just had his sort of, he had his, you know, way in the zoo, and uh, he was taking, dumping down uh, garbages and, uh, and just going through things. And what the guy said is, you know, you have to be very careful with the orangutans because their grip is so powerful. Inside uh, their, uh, where they live, indoors, the orangutans oftentimes would take these giant iron bolts that were screwed into the wall, and they would unscrew them with their bare hands and just, you know, spend a whole day trying to unscrew these giant steel bolts and then bend the bolts. And so uh, one time this guy was uh, uh, on the jury was telling me um, orangutan decided to go after him. He didn't expect it and just latched on to his hand. And what you do is you just have to go completely limp because, I mean, they will just, you know, tear you apart. And then he called for help or maybe screamed for help. And I think by the time the the other zookeepers came uh, with their things, however they you know um, pacified the orangutan, the orangutan <laughs> had the orangutan had already ripped the guy's pants off. It was just like, what's going on here? Well, so you he know? grabbed his hand and ripped mm-hmm. his pants off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, is this some sort of courting, no courting no, ritual? No, no. I have no idea. But he's like, oh, I wonder what else he could, I can do. And, you know, and it, I mean, it's like, and that's how he's just. just with when the, you with read about one chimp hand. attacks, oh, oh, terrifying! That's one of They're the places. Terrifying. So they go face and genitals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned the trash cans. Just yeah. one more thing. Yeah. Uh, there are little Please. signs. There are little signs on the trash cans that say, you know, we we turn our waste into energy, and like one, it, the one of the signs is, you know, one can of trash can power your television for three hours. And so in my head, I was calculating. I was like, okay, well, that means that approximately <laughs> 70 or 80 cans of trash equals one day of work at the weekly or at the free beacon <laughs> at the Washington free beacon. So I was like, that's a, you know, turning your, turning your trash into content that's every day. To think the, about it. The free that's beacon a- motto. <laughs> Uh, your trash is our a, treasure. It's sort of a perpetual motion machine, <laughs> yeah, if you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, it's that the free like, beacon anyway, makes more a, trash, yeah. and then the trash powers the free yeah, beacon to make more trash. trash. It's it just a circle, the cycle, the cycle of life. The cycle, the the cycle, cycle of, of life. Uh, anyway, Vic, how was your weekend? Oh, uh, my weekend was it was nice. Uh, on Saturday, we had to watch uh, our uh, nephew and niece. That would be Captain Bill Dwyer's kids. Because uh, Captain Bill Dwyer, what does he do for a living? Uh, he's a firefighter. Oh, captain. firefighter! He's a real man. Fire marshal. Does yeah. he ever edit though? I, you know what? If he saw a dangling modifier, I'd be surprised. He would, n- he he would, would know never know what to do with it. He wouldn't know what to do with it. No, it's yeah. very sad. Not, really, not a real man, is no, it? No, not like, not like what we do here inside the studio. Um, and so uh, we took the kids out. Uh, and uh, Four kids all at the same time? Four kids all at the same time. All within the, eight, within the range. <laughs> you How do you no, do it? You have no idea, JVL. Uh, between the, range, uh, the ages of 7 and 10. And so he said, let's just go to BGR, since we were talking about burgers uh, the other week. We went to BGR. Um, and uh, Bill's uh, son uh, Robbie is ten, and he's an eating machine, and he's uh, thin as a, you know he's thin as a rail. He plays hockey, but he is an eating machine. So I said, you know what? I'm I'm curious. Let's just let's just get what everyone else is getting, and we'll see what happens. So I get them the kid's sliders, and he's got the two sliders, and he just plows through that. And I said, are you still hungry? And he kind of nods sheepishly. And I said, okay. I go up, and I said, I want to really see how much this kid can take down. So I just said. Get me like the adult size cheeseburger, the big one, the big one, and uh, and a large fries. 
and it's going to be like 11 bucks. And I just plopped down the tray in front of him, and I said, all right, here you go. Get at it. And he took it down, like without any problem whatsoever. That cheeseburger was gone. And, and, you, and you can't tell where it went. And you look at him, and you're like, where does it go? And I just miss that because if I did that in one sitting. You right know, to your hips. Would it go right to your hips, Vic? <laughs> you know, a muffin top. And uh, I, would, I would have like a distended belly. I mean, I would be, and I would be in pain. I, would, I mean, the whole thing. It would, <laughs> the gout. The gout just flaring, would be flaring up. up. You know, and it's like, gosh, I wish I was 10. So um, that was envious. Anyway, but it was a nice weekend. Um, you, I'm sure Vic wishes yeah. he was 10 again. <laughs> 14, really. Okay. So you, uh, uh, you know who didn't have such a great weekend was Baywatch. The four-day estimate was good, good transition. Thank you. It was a paltry twenty-three million. Oof. On the other hand, Pirates of the Caribbean. This is the four-day um, estimate. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean part Wait, five. Can we? Dis- is it Pirates of the Caribbean or Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean? Is it Caribbean Queen or Car- well? If you ask Billy Ocean, it's Caribbean. Okay. But I've said Caribbean. What do you say? Uh, I say Caribbean. Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Okay, so Pirates of the Caribbean oh. 5 did $77 million, and uh, you guys predicted this, right? Uh, well, one of us was pretty sure that Baywatch was actually going to be the big breakout surprise uh, hit of the summer. Who's that, Sonny? Triumphing over Pirates of the Caribbean, which is old and tired and played out. It wasn't Sonny. Oh, uh, who was that? JVL? I was wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. wrong. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, what happened? You saw. Okay. Uh, should we? Which Which Baywatch. do we want to discuss first? I would like you Baywatch to discuss. First? Let's discuss Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean first, because oh, the answer. Okay. I mean, this is a All two right. part answer as to why I was wrong. <clears throat> okay. The first part of the reason I was wrong is because people are terrible and they're idiots and yes. they have garbage taste. Well, That's that answered sunny. my question. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, which is out in theaters now, when as Vic mentioned, had a relatively big opening weekend. Not not it. it it's down uh, from entries past, but it, it still did okay. And it made like a quarter billion dollars worldwide in its first weekend. It's gonna it's gonna make a, a ton of money. Um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales, uh, starring once again Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, who uh, is is being chased by the son of Will Turner, I believe is the name of the ki- Orlando Legolas. Bloom. Legolas, yes, uh, yes, is is his father, and uh, he is trying to find Johnny Depp so Johnny Depp can help break. Lego Lass's curse. I don't understand that. He's like under the water. So here's the thing is I've seen the first one and I liked it quite a bit and I haven't seen any of the sequels because they were all denounced as uniformly terrible. So I, I skipped all those. I've seen the original and the last I knew Legolas and Kira Knightley were like living in harmony, whatever. They were having a great time. Apparently he's now uh, cursed and under the ocean and can only come up like every year or something. Does he look the same or does he look like his father Stellan Skarsgård like uh, with barnacles on his face? No. He, yeah, he has barnacles. Barnacles on his face, right? Uh, He's got the barnacles on the face. Father like son. No, no, no. That's no. Legolas has the barnacles on his face, but like, yeah. uh, Will Will Turner's son does not. Right. right. Anyway, uh, uh, also chasing uh, Captain Jack Sparrow is Thaladar, played by Javier Bardem. Is that with your Castilian accent? (laughs) Castilian. It's Captain Jack Sparrow. Barrow. I couldn't tell if he was saying Jack Barrow or Jack Jeff. So, Jeff so Javier Bardem speaks with the. With he, the list. he just. I mean, he he just. Oh. That's what he sounds like, and like in and it works fine. I mean, he like sounds kind of mysterious and you know 
and and intimidating and it but whatever it is also very annoying for somebody who doesn't speak with a castilian accent who who doesn't uh have the the lisping s's and whatever uh and also there's a very progressive woman who is denounced as a witch because she believes in science guys she <laughs> believes in science and nobody else none of these other men do and she is just going to she's going to show them all of course she's proved her her faith in science is proven to be wrong when they start seeing ghosts and stuff oh okay so oh. in the end the patriarchy wins as usual <laughs> So, so anyway. in a way, this is a subversive movie. In a way, this is a very subversive movie about the evils of witches and uh, educating Is she the a famous folk. actress who plays her or no? No, I, I didn't know. Does she look at all like Keira Knightley? She looks a little bit like yeah. her. I mean, she's hot. She's like a hot, oh, okay. she's like a hot skinny girl in a corset. So, yeah. like, I mean. A sexy tomboy beanpole. <laughs> she's a sexy tomboy beanpole. Uh, so you need, yeah, you need that, though. Uh, I, you know, the movie is, like, it is. I, I, it is incoherently plotted, and I'm not sure if that's just because I'm not, like, up on all the mythology. I don't, you know, last I saw Jeffrey Rush was Barbosa being defeated by Jack Sparrow, but now the, the Black Pearl is in a bottle in Jack's jacket. I mean, like, it is it is, it is incoherent in ways that, uh, again, I'm not sure if it's just because I, I haven't mm-hmm. followed the series or if mm-hmm. they were so sloppily plotted that it was just moving from point to point without any connective that one? tissue. I think, it's, <laughs> that, that I think one? it's probably that one. I think it's probably that one. So, you know, uh, uh, audiences gave it, of course, a, either an A- minus or an A on CinemaScore <laughs> because audiences are human trash. And uh, and it made a quarter billion dollars worldwide, and it's uh, well on its way to making making another billion dollars. Johnny Depp can buy more cannons to shoot uh, the remains of his friends into the atmosphere. Oh, yeah, can you elaborate on that? So one of the – one of the uh, look, uh, Johnny Depp takes a lot of grief from – uh, certain progressive types because he uh, beats his 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 wife, you know, which fair I think is I'm Amber Heard uh, fair in which direction? Him him taking grief for oh beating. good gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I thought myself <laughs> wow. Well, you really you really that's a hot take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's come a very hot take. Jeez, uh, guys, come on. <laughs> that's that's just so. Anyway, uh, here's uh, here are some of the things that Johnny Depp has spent his hundreds of millions of dollars on. Uh, over seventy-five million to uh, this is from Vanity Fair. You can you can find it if you if you just Google it. Over seventy-five million dollars to acquire, improve, and furnish fourteen residences, including a forty-five-acre chateau in the south of France, uh, a chain, a literal chain of islands in the Bahamas, multiple houses in Hollywood. But I mean, what, fair. All of those I'm are frightened. great. I, I'm, I, I, I am yeah. on board with I, all of these, these expenditures these, so far. Uh, and a fully functioning house farm in Kentucky, which is the weird one for me, frankly. I like if you have sometimes he feels things, like I want to, you know what? You I want to get in, right, back in touch fine. with real people. Yeah, sure. And so he does that. Over eighteen million dollars to acquire and renovate a one hundred fifty foot luxury yacht. Uh, millions, just a gener- generic millions, uh, acquiring and maintaining at least forty five luxury vehicles. At least there could be more. Hard to say. Uh, $30,000 per month on wine. $30,000 per month? Per month on wine. That's so, Vic, you could do that in a night. $360,000. on the bottle. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's my favorite one. This is, of course, the best. Over $3 million to blast from a specially made cannon the ashes of author Hunter Thompson over Aspen, Colorado. Is, was this because Hunter Thompson requested that? I'm sure. Why or he not? just acquired I mean, it. I feel like this. I feel like this is definitely something Hunter S. Thompson would have asked for. And because it is, they, did he become friends with before he died? Is I that believe they were friendly. Yes, right. because he, you know they they got to know each other while During shooting the movie, right? Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, yeah. and uh, and I I've never actually really liked Johnny Depp's 
take on Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's a, a it's a agglomeration of ticks more than anything else. But like uh, anyway, but maybe that is also what Hunter S. Thompson was like. I didn't know him before he put the shotgun barrel in his mouth. Be, so. Before we mo- go on to Baywatch, if, if we could talk a little bit more about Depp, uh, what do you like him in? Or what did you like him in? If you could pick one or two. Can I, can I just briefly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Briefly. Please, JVL. No, no, no. I, I only want to say that I would pay cash money to have had Matt Labash out there chronicling Johnny Depp shooting Hunter S. Thompson's Absolutely. remains into the atmosphere. Well, sure. That would have been the most amazing essay ever. But, uh, to be fair, though, I'd pay cash money to watch, to read Matt Labash do uh, anything. Yes. Read, well, write, him write, write him write about anything. So. Uh, what do I like Johnny Depp in? I mean, I like I actually like Johnny Depp as an actor, and I thought he was very I thought he was like clever as Jack Sparrow in the first one, mm-hmm. and it is yeah. it, it just kind of is now he's doing the same kind of mincing about falling. He's around. the movie. He's drunk. He's drunk. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. It's funny because he's he has a real drinking problem. Nobody actually seems to want to address this, but you know he get, he trades away his last possessions for like a bottle of rum. And that is actually what frees Captain Thalidar from the cove of oh. sadness that he's trapped in, or whatever it is. Yeah, are there flashbacks? Because I thought there was like there is. There, yeah, there's so definitely they CGI fun where they look young, right? They did this in Guardians of the Galaxy, yes, where Kurt Russell is a young guy in the beginning. Did they do the same thing with Jack Sparrow? Where it's unclear is... to me if it's if it's CGI de aging of Johnny Depp or if it was uh, younger. I mean, what they do is they they definitely uh, voice over the actor with Johnny voice. Depp. But I, I'm not sure if it was de-aged or what. I don't know. Who knows? Interesting. It's, it's all magic. Do Movie you, magic. Do you know where I loved him best, uh, Johnny Depp? Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, no, I was going to say Alice in Wonderland. No. Oh, yeah. I, I actually like him I'm as kidding. Alice in Wonderland. No. I like him in all the Tim Burton movies. I like him, you know, Night- I like him fun. Nightmare on Elm Street was very upsetting because I really liked his character, and he has, like, the worst death. Because you could only stay up for. Remember how it yeah. happens? He gets not, sucked into the bed. And yes, then, yeah. and then shredded, and yeah. then the blood goes all the way up into the ceiling, and then it I've melts never... through the ceiling, <sighs> and then it's dripping into the, the 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 living room, and they have to put a bucket at the parents. It's awful. Yeah, it is. And I saw that movie as a you kid when you were old. old. <laughs> when you're five <laughs> no, years old, no, no, no. I was probably I forget what year it came out. It was on HBO. Yeah, we were all do my you remember bed. one, two? Freddy's gonna get you. Remember this? Yeah. Three, was four, like, what was that? Nineteen eighty-four. Five, six. Grab your crucifix. Yeah. Okay, it was disturbing. Eighty-four. Right, the girls. The girls. Are, what are the girl, girls doing? I don't know. So, um, I, no, I was gonna say your door. Thank you. So, what I liked him in was Donnie Brasco. I was just gonna say that's your movie. You love that movie. I love it so much. It's a mob movie, and Vic it, loves well, it. Well, A, it's shocking. It's crazy. No, but it's a mob, mob movie, but w- what I loved about it, it was- would have been better if it had been directed by Scorsese, let's be honest. <laughs> Instead of, I can't remember who directed it. That's interesting. Uh, what I what I really liked about it, though, was- Mike aside, Newell. Thank you, Mike Newell, who did a Harry Potter film, didn't he? He did one of the Harry Potter movies. Um, what I uh, liked about Donnie Brasco was, aside being, aside, uh, uh, being a true story- was uh, that it was, you know, the story of uh, of, of the the crisis of of uh, somebody stuck in middle management, meaning Lefty or Al Pacino. So he plays this guy Lefty, and he meets Donnie Brasco, and, and he brings him up, and he says, "Hey, stick around, stick with me, kid. I'll show you the ropes. You'll be a friend of mine, and then you'll eventually could be a friend of ours." But I know I know what to do here, and then of course. Um, uh, Donnie Brasco gets picked to be like the, he's the rising star, and all of a sudden, you know, they go on that yacht with uh, Santo Traficante, and, and and suddenly Santo wants to meet directly with um, uh, with Donnie and with Sonny Black, 
And once again, uh, Al Pacino's character Lefty is left uh, without a promotion, staying where he is, doing the same job for the rest of his life. And I felt that was so affecting. Vic, how could that possibly appeal to you? I don't understand how you could identify with it. No, neither do I. Why am I crying right now? This is very upsetting. Anyway, the scene on the yacht is one of the most affecting things. I said, I said, oh, and he got him the card, remember? He says, oh, I'm going to give Santo Traficante this card. It's like, hey, be, you know, between friends or something like that. Yeah. And, and it just it, it went to my heart, and I don't know why I feel like that, but, you know, um, I'm old. and Vic's crying. <laughs> oh, you know who else right was now. in that movie? A great cast, the late Bruno Kirby, Michael Madsen, Michael um, Madsen. Yeah. and uh, Paul Giamatti is an FBI guy. And uh, my wife's uh, high school classmate, Gretchen Moll. Uh, that was oh, one cool. of her first movies she did as yeah. Sonny's Girlfriend. That was oh, her yeah. credit with Sonny's Girlfriend. I guess Rounders was like the year it after. Right after. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. So that's what I liked him in. Um, JVL, do you have other depth thoughts? Never really liked him as an actor, early presence. Really? Uh, you know, there are a bunch of roles in which I think he's fine. Uh, it just leaves me cold as an actor. Nothing against do, him. Do you not like Tim Burton? I don't. Yeah, actually, that makes. I mean, I that doesn't surprise. I, like, I, but anything I, like Nick of Time, Twenty One Jump Street, the TV series. Window. He has never Benny and June. These things are all fine. Yeah, what's he in Gilbert Grape? They're all highly mannered in ways yeah. that I don't care for. Yeah, I can understand. Do, that. Is is he famously like difficult on set? Do we know that or no? Well, one of the things in this Vanity Fair story is that apparently he like just refused to learn his lines on the new. Pirates of the Caribbean movie and had like a headset that they were piping piping everything into. So uh, I I I mean I, I have a feeling that as he has accumulated that's what happens on the show. Massive, by the way, massive amounts of wealth, he became more and more difficult to work with. And I and I think especially on something like this, as opposed to like Black Mass, where he was getting to do a little more, you know, something more. Uh, that was decent, but. It, I it, didn't. I didn't love it. I, it I was, really wanted to like it I because think, I love yeah. that cast. Joel Edgerton is in it. He's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and it's uh, another interesting story. Yeah, another I, like true life mob story. I wonder yeah. if he was. I wonder if it was just the specter of the departed, you know, over him that thinking like I really have to play up this role because otherwise people are going to be thinking of. You know, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, or I mean the real the real problem Nicholson. is, is the, the real problem is that movie is just a mess. It's like poorly poorly plotted and like kind of all over the place, and it doesn't really. It, there, it, it felt like it was never sure if it wanted to be a movie about Johnny Depp's character or, or about you know like anyway. Do you remember the Onion headline? Johnny Depp now completely made of scarves and bracelets. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Anyway, so but as it turns out, for all the flops he's done, and even though this movie nobody we don't really like this movie. Uh, it's going to make him a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's well on its way to grossing in the eight hundred to nine hundred million dollar range worldwide. And I'm sure he gets a nice percentage yeah. gross. Sure I gets, assume or something. I'm, I'm sure he. I'm sure he got like thirty or forty million bucks just in salary, and then probably gets a couple points on top of that. So. Well, it sounds like a smart choice for Johnny Depp. You know what else is a smart choice? The Dollar Shave Club. You will get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to buy a cheap disposable razor that gives you a cheap shave or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech you didn't need. When I use my Dollar Shave Club executive razor with their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, 
The blade glides ever so gently and gives me such a smooth shave. Plus, their Dr. Carver's shave butter is transparent for a more precise shave, helping prevent ingrown hairs and fight razor bumps. Uh, now, listeners to the substandard can make the smarter choice by joining Dollar Shave Club. For a limited time, uh, new members get their first month of the executive razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver's shave butter for only $5 with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for only 5 bucks. In your first month, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their shave butter. After your first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. There are no hidden fees and no commitments. Cancel any time you like, but why would you? You can only get this offer exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash substandard. Baywatch, you both saw it. I did not. Your thoughts? Well, JVL, you said you wanted to review Baywatch, so why don't you go ahead and review I would Baywatch. like to try on my professional movie reviewer pants. Oh, this is exciting. Please do. Go ahead. Baywatch is the film adaptation of the legendary syndicated TV series, which made movie stars out of Pamela Anderson, Erica Eleniak, Nicole Eggert, Jason Momoa, and Angie Harmon. In the spinoff Baywatch Nights. In the movie, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson plays Mitch Buchanan, the head lifeguard at Emerald Bay, and his close-knit family of lifeguards takes on three new trainees, one of whom is disgraced former Olympic swimmer Zac Efron. They save one person from drowning and two people from a boat fire, and then they spend the entire rest of the movie investigating a drug smuggling operation being run by a Bollywood actress who is playing a Mexican narco, which is some sort of washing, and I'm not sure which color washing it is, but it must be bad. <laughs> the movie is the first big-budget film from documentary film star Seth Gordon, who directed King of Kong. It is also his last. It stars a bunch of very beautiful people and one very not-beautiful person named John Bass, and it is not a good movie. How is that, sir? That's, that, that's like, right. That's is that ex- real? That's, Was that just real? Did that just happen? I thought you liked it, yeah. JBL. No, no, this is bad. This is a very I bad I thought you movie. just said you liked it. When, uh, when did the record, I say that? For the record, Seth Gordon also directed Horrible Bosses. Not a big budget movie. Before we, A grown-up movie, but not a big budget. All right. Fine. Before we tape, I didn't realize you were being uh, sarcastic. So, uh, anyway. Uh, about Baywatch. But, but was how, as a review, quality That was review. great. No, it was, it, it, you could write that and post it. Okay. Now do your real take. What's your real take? No, this is a mess of a movie. Okay. So the, if, as as Richard Rushfield said last week in The Ankler, which oh. you should subscribe to plug. if you don't. Plug. It's awesome. Free plug. That if the Dwayne Johnson for president thing peters out, this is going to be oh, the boy. reason. Mm. This is a bad movie. Mm. Uh, it's a mess. The big problem is tone. Tonally, this movie is all over the place. Yes. At time, would it? Time, for the most part, it shoots to be the same tone as the movie 21 Jump Street and the movie Starsky and Hutch, which is to say broad comedy, which incorporates and uses and leans on some action movie tropes, yeah. uh, except that for like half the movie, it veers away into earnest action movie yeah. stuff, like it's a subpar Fast and the Furious. Uh, for instance, there is an extended bit in the first act, which involves John Bass's character getting his junk caught between the wooden slats on a beach chair. And it's really funny. It is something, the whole thing is played with vigor and the sort of, uh, almost like something about Mary. And I think it really kills, it works. And then it, all of a sudden we have Zac Efron's character messing up, but feeling legit bad about it, needing to, needing to be redeemed in his, in his relationship with the rock. And it's, 
I don't know, like the movie spends an inordinate amount of time actually trying to solve a crime that nobody in the office could care less about. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a mean, we just, we're here to spend time with this crew of people, yeah. and instead they split the crew of people up so they can chase bad guys and have a showdown yeah. that, again, nobody cares about. You never quite know what movie you're in. The comedy sort of works well for the most part. The action stuff is too generic to be interesting. Uh, and And even the comedy stuff isn't great. I mean, <clears throat> this is ironic. I understand this, but this is a movie with too many dick jokes, and you know how we feel about yeah. dick jokes here we're on big, the Substandard. We're big on dick jokes here. And it is a movie which Love relies dick jokes. too much on the F-bomb for its comedy. Yeah. And again, yeah. I know, I realize what I'm saying, but the idea that you're gonna, if you're going to go to the well once, twice, or three times in a movie where the entire punchline is that you have a character dropping an F-bomb in an unlikely situation... That's fine. They do this like 11 times yeah. in the movie. It's yeah. it just weak writing all around. Yeah. Uh, like Alexander Daddario has nothing to do. There are a couple things in it which are which are good, I guess. Zac Efron is really good. I I, I was surprised that what he's what, what, like a leading man. Zac Efron is an underrated comic presence in yes. movies like Neighbors. Um, Neighbors and uh, and this I think he's pretty good. I I I think he's actually a, a solid comedic actor. Yeah. Um, I agree. No, he's a great straight man in this. Well, really I have a question. What was audience reaction? Were they laughing it up too, or were they also like, oh, well, there were eight people of... in the theater. And <laughs> okay, well, it was that's $23 million. Stonily silent. Yeah. I'd say the people in my screening were just dead reaction to it. I chuckled out loud twice. Not like actual laughs, but like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Wait that's a minute. Like, that's what you say when I tell most of my jokes. Well, uh, oh. you should have seen the meeting that Vic led at the at the Free Beacon office this morning. Uh, oh, I mean, I mean, oh, wait. I, no, I, my problem with this movie is that the best joke that it plays, the best joke, the best gag that it has is the joke that it plays on the audience. Uh, so, to wit, you have this, you have a, you have an R-rated version of what is like generally considered to be like a TNA show, right? But like a kind of a PG TNA show originally on TV. And they take the R rating and what do they use it to give to the audience? Uh, dick. A, a corpse dick. Dick, a, dick, dick. A corpse dick. And then the dick in the slats, as you mentioned, and also a fat guy's ass. Like that's that's like the that's the the like uh, R rating for you. Right. And, and it and it like and it and it's not funny in any serious way. The, it's more beefcake than cheesecake. I mean, I mean it really is. It, I mean, it, it's like the it, shots yeah. of Zac yeah. Efron, love, the lovingly yeah. slow-mo shots of him working the salmon yeah. ladder. And right. that guy has spent a lot of time in the weight room. I a assume. Of, a lot of lean meats and now he you looks know, repetitions. High rep, low weight, skinless chicken. And somehow he comes out looking like Rick Rude from the late 1980s. <laughs> oh. I mean, uh, the guy is astonishingly... Yeah. Cut in ways which. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, the 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 joke the the joke <laughs> Hollywood really doesn't awesome. Hollywood doesn't test people right for <laughs> actors for they roids. Don't, you know, I'm just saying. Very. Please, what, was, what would happen if they started testing for PEDs? You know, who would get suspended? Sylvester in Stallone would never work again. <laughs> yeah. No, he was he was he was working on his he was building up muscle mass on his own, not like yeah, the cheating Russians. 70. Not like the cheating Russians shooting up Ivan Drago full of drugs. You commie. He worked out in the log cabin. JBL's a commie. I always (laughs) can I tell you? I have I have a superficial gripe too. 
the CGI David Hasselhoff and the CGI Pam Anderson they used were really distracting. It was a lot like the <laughs> Grand Moff Tarkin, and I just thought it was unnecessary fan service oh, that I, I didn't well, need. Is that is that like a princess, my yeah. Princess Leia joke? Yeah, you're gonna oh, feel really bad gosh. when one of them dies next. You know, week. you know what? JVL. No, you know what I say. Here's what I thought. So, so David Hasselhoff appears on camera briefly and is a shell of himself. Pam Anderson appears incredibly briefly, and they never shoot her even full she on. She does oh. not speak. She doesn't speak. And does they, she? She doesn't say anything, does she? No. Or maybe she, she no says lines. hello or No, she just is in slow motion, and this is the joke. Right. This is the funny joke, guys, that she's in slow motion. No, but she's and in, su- she's in, in slow slower motion. motion than other people. But here's, here's what I thought. I actually thought about The Force Awakens when I saw the two of them on screen, and it's a really jarring... I, I would say that these actors were not well served by this movie, yeah. and it makes you appreciate all the more Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is asked to carry the load in The Force Awakens really sort of as a movie. And he's an old guy. He is not the guy that we grew up with. And his presence on screen is great. There is nothing off, but he is aged. He is an old guy. And he looks old in ways which we are comfortable. He does not look like somebody who has just had. But he also looks good for a guy who is almost 80. Sure. I mean, but and I'm sure he's had a little bit of work done here or there, but he does not look like he has spent thousands of hours in the doctor's chair. Yeah. you know, injecting and clipping and snipping and stitching. Yeah. Uh, and it really, if you want to age in Hollywood, I would suggest the Harrison Ford path, not the uh, Baywatch well, path. We all can't be as lucky as Harrison Ford. Uh, but I, I would say that, you know, I saw the I saw the movie with a friend on Friday, and, uh, you know, he was like, God, they should have had Pamela Anderson doing more. And I was like, are you kidding me? She would have, I mean, like, she looked worse than most of the extras in that movie. Like, wow. like, like, just, just didn't look good, and it would, it would have been really, it would have been really awkward and uncomfortable, I think, for her to be on screen for a significant period of time. And as you say, this is a shallow thing to say, but like, I, she just, it is what it is. Uh, and can we talk briefly? Do we have time to talk yeah. briefly about yeah. the IP mania? Sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about, uh, guys. Is that, I mean, we, I mean, we seem to be stuck in this quagmire of sequels and reboots like Guardians, Aliens, Beauty and the Beast, Fast and Furious, Power Rangers. What's coming up? Spider Man, Transformers. What's happening here? Dunkirk, World of War Two. Oh, played out. Thank God that's coming up. Of the nine big movies so far this summer, seven have been existing intellectual property plays. The only new ones, like new artistic creations, snatched. Boss Baby. <laughs> Boss Baby based on a board book. Based on a children's board yes. book. No. Yes, yeah. we'll talk. Uh, that Never was mind. I'm sorry. So it's eight, uh, of yeah. eight of nine. Eight of nine, then. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and we use, so the, the new Hollywood ha- uses intellectual property to create movies out of theme park rides, like Pirates of the Caribbean, video games like World of Warcraft and Assassin's Creed and Hitman, board games like Battleship, toys like Transformers, books, TV shows, Power Rangers, Baywatch, remakes of old movies, live action remakes of animated movies, and of course, comic books. And there are a host of reasons for this. I would encourage everybody to understand that there are, only t- there are two types of movies from an economic point of view. Uh, the first are films which are really films and have the economic life of a film, like Gosford Park or something like that. It just the movie's the movie. You put the movie out, the movie makes what it makes, and then it has to sustain itself in that way or not. And then there are movies that are intellectual property plays. And for this, people should read Edward J. Epstein's Hollywood Economist, yes. which is an amazing yeah. book. It's slightly out of date now. I think the internet has overtaken it. Uh, but yeah, it's only very slightly. It's fantastic. And Everyone should read it. What what. 
Edward J. Epstein says is that the, Hollywood is in the business of intellectual property. They're not in the business of movies. Uh, a movie is just a wellspring of IP, and it creates a river of economic value that flows downstream. But you start with the movie, then you get ticket sales, then foreign gross, product placement within the movie. Then eventually you move on to home video rental and streaming incomes, then cable TV rights, product licensing, theme park rides, toys, balloons, lunchboxes, the Broadway adaptation, Mm -hmm. and eventually a feature film sequel. So you renew the cycle all over again. This is why there's a mania for franchises. Uh, And what we see now, the mania we have for these, is because movies now... What Hollywood decide they're going to do is they're going to treat their movie versions as the second step in the IP chain rather than the first. And I think this is just a hedge. And it's a hedge because the cost of movie making has gotten so expensive that it is, all things being equal, it is better to be the originator of intellectual property and own the rights yourself. However, because it now costs for a big movie a minimum of $200 to make it, then another $150 million. Million, I'm sorry, $200 million to make it, another $150 million to market and present it. To hedge it, you want to have something with a little bit of pre-existing brand awareness and even more than that, a pre-existing type of story, which leads me to say, this is why we have comic book movies now. It isn't that we have comic book movies in a world of IP. Uh, It's that we have IP movies and then comic book movies spring out of that because comic books are, of all these things we've talked about for pre-existing intellectual property, they make the most sense to bring movies from them because they're essentially a fully storyboarded out version of a script treatment. So so what you're saying, JVL, is there's no hope to get out of this vicious cycle. Uh, This is it. Well, I don't know that it's bad, but, I mean, economics of Hollywood are going to change radically over the next 20 years. We've seen this now with uh, things like popcorn time, right? It was popcorn. What what was the screening room? Which is the attempt to let people stream on demand oh, right, first run right, movies right. in their home. Yeah. Like at some point, we're going to have a huge showdown between streaming and the theaters. Yeah. And we're going to have to have a definitive yeah. winner, like an up down vote on whether Hollywood is going to allow this to happen or not. Uh, and that, uh, that streaming, may change. Streaming will win. You think so? I don't think so. I, I think well, I, because what will end up. So my fear. Is that what will happen to the movie industry? What will happen to the movie industry is what happened to the music industry, where people, enough people, especially young people, said, "You know what? Screw it. We're not paying for CDs anymore. We're not paying for singles. We're not paying for any of this. We're just going to start downloading it uh, and streaming it at our house and watching it on our laptops because we don't really care about quality. We just want to watch it because we want something to do while mm-hmm. we're, you know, playing yeah. online poker or whatever." Uh, and and as a result, the Hollywood studios will panic and say, we need to bring streaming to the, the homes right now, and they'll do it, and it will be a disaster for everyone. I, it will lead to col- the total collapse of the movie industry. I, I agree that that would be a disastrous decision. I think the Hollywood people are smarter than that because there are lessons learned. Uh, they're, they're different from the music industry in that they have multiple revenue streams in the way the music industry really doesn't, didn't. Uh, and, but well, they've I mean, also seen what happened they, to, also, the, to the they, record industry. They've also knocked out the legs of at least one of those revenue streams. CD or DVD and Blu-ray sales are just through the basement. Right. Uh, you know, and all that revenue is now. But they have foreign grosses that they can lean I, on. I, I mean, I, I think they have enough. I think they have enough diversity of income to be able to limp through this era and be very judicious about what they do. I don't think they're going to make a snap, stupid decision the way the, the oh, real oh, people do. Well, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're going to decide it tomorrow, but in five, ten years. See, that's what I meant by snap. I meant like over the course of five years to panic and say, "Oh, we have to yeah. internet information wants to be free," yeah, which yeah. is a 
doesn't. No. It's a lie. In- information can't want things because information doesn't have free will. Mm. You know what? You know who has free will is thieves. The thieves who steal. Sonny, what would you do if you caught an internet thief yourself stealing things? How would you punish them? Well, my theory on thievery is that the Saudi Arabians have always had it right. Just hands <laughs> right off. Just want you, you get caught using that mouse to Could download. Could it be a finger? Because you steal with your finger by clicking with your finger. No. Well, I mean... Only fingers, if it was all ten. For I mean, Saudi, yeah, you have to I mean, all ten would, fingers. Five fingers, you know. Because you can click with any finger. Or and thumb. then would you post pictures of these people with their hands cut off in public spaces? I would like Amazon. Well, does? what I would do, what I would do is I would I would take the fingers and I'd make a necklace out of it and I'd make them wear the <laughs> necklace, <laughs> so everyone would know that they're a content thief. Piracy equals dismemberment. Wow, That's you good. Know. You know, um, really briefly talking about Baywatch, uh, and this surprised uh, Jonathan that I'd never seen an episode of Baywatch on TV. I I just never knew when it was on. I mean, I never was watching it. I'd say, oh, it was floating, because it was Channel 29. It was, oh, it, was, you know, it was in syndication, so it was everywhere and nowhere. It, everywhere and nowhere, and it was when yes. I was in college. I didn't watch much TV when I was in college. And so I remember sometimes thinking, oh, I think this is Baywatch, and why are they on bicycles like cops on the beach? Oh, wait, that's that Pacific, was, that was Pacific, <laughs> that was Pacific Blue. Blue with Mary Lopez. Uh, can we confusing. just, I, I just yes, want to throw Sonny. one thing. You mentioned, you mentioned Rock's uh, presidential ambitions being dashed by this movie. This is like his is, Chappaquiddick. Is, is that what you're saying, <laughs> Sorry. No, I will oh, okay, not. Not that bad. That. Okay. I, I, I do wonder if The Rock isn't slightly overrated. He's, he's a solid box office draw, but not an overwhelming or phenomenal one. If you exclude the Fast and the Furious movies, it's hard to say how much of that is his. But like... The movie Central Intelligence, for instance, did 135 on a 40 or $50 million budget. Uh, this is going to do 60 or 70 domestic, maybe 200 worldwide on a $69 million budget, uh, which is a very nice budget. Uh, the, the, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I, I do wonder, my thing about The Rock is that I like him a lot. I think he's a fantastic personality. I love, like, watching him interact with people. And even on screen, even in this movie, which is not good. The Rock is the best thing in it by a country mile, I would say. Just him kind of being The Rock and doing his rock shtick. I think I, I, I feel comfortable saying that. But, like, he, he, he's made a lot of really bad movies. His project choice is a little suspect. Like Hercules? I would say. Not very good. His project choice is suspect. That said, the Tooth Fairy, yeah. where he makes his play to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger comedy action yes. guy. Not very good. That yeah. said, as the voice of Maui and Moana, I thought he was great. Tremendous. Yeah. He could sing, too. He could sing. And I, You're welcome. My thing is, I want him to actually do more acting. Like in, uh, what was the, Be Short, Get Shorty? Was that, or Be Cool? Whichever one he was in. I think he was in Be Cool. Be Cool. cool. He was in Be yeah. Cool. He's like the, he's one of the best things in that movie. Southland Tales, where he's playing a, like, a, a kind of Manchurian candidate Republican operative, is like one of the more interesting performances I've seen in in a long time and uh and the rundown where i think is actually a severely underrated action comedy film from the the mid aughts and like should have been a giant franchise uh but you people are too stupid to see what's good so you you let it fail you let it fail you failed the rock and now he's doing crap like this uh, anyway, I I like I I I wish he would pick better movies. You know, I actually wonder if cuz I agree as a as an presence on screen he's fantastic in almost everything he does he the the problem is his project choice i wonder if if the real problem here though is that he 
doesn't take an active enough an active enough role in the producing aspect of it because yeah, Baywatch sure. the project here the project conception is solid the problem was the execution and the execution beginning at the script level uh, and six mo- credited screenwriters yes is insane. Uh, the a movie star who one of the like Tom Cruise we've, we've said this like fifteen times on the show. Uh, he's a very active producer, and there's a reason that his movies are not bad. I mean, there's a guy who just cares about getting things right, and he's not doing it himself. But the point is, he knows what works on screen, he knows what doesn't work, and he pushes every he pushes the team around a movie to get the project to a place where it's ready to shoot. The Rock does not do that. I think now maybe he doesn't have the the juice to be able to do that in the movie world yet. I don't know, yeah. uh, but he should have it. I mean, if I. And maybe it's maybe his time is split too much. I don't know. Uh, but this is a real question. Do, does the economics? Because you're right. He's not. He's overrated as a movie star in the economic sense, not as an actually present right, right, sense. Right, I think right. he is a movie. I star. I think he's clearly a, he has star presence. Yes. Uh, but I wonder if he runs for president, how much that matters. Oh well, none of that. Matters. The economic no, no, stuff. No, no, none of that. I mean, people just—he's a famous nobody's, guy. Nobody's going to say, great. "Oh, I'm not—I'm no. not voting for The Rock because Baywatch made fifty-seven million dollars no, no. domestically." I, I'm sorry, I don't mean that people wouldn't vote for him because of. I just meant if the the economic reality of that is that people like him less than they think they like him. Mm-hmm. Maybe that—that's what I mean. Yeah, if yeah. that makes sense yeah. to you. No, I, I I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, corrections, additions, JVL. Uh, well, the correction is there was no show notes last week, and the other yeah. correction is that Baywatch is a turd and Pirates of the Caribbean is going to make a ton of money. But other than that, I was perfect. Good. Wonderful. Um, I got an email reminding me that when Liz Taylor was drunk and announced Gladiator's Best Picture, it was for the Golden Globes, not for the Oscars. Yeah, I, that didn't seem familiar to me. I, I wasn't sure confused. what was... I was Remember, she goes, Gladiator. I think that's my Liz Taylor impression. Speaking of which, that email was from Michael Caine. And oh, he would Michael know. Kane. He, he would, would know. know. He would know. He, would he know. goes Good to these award things. Um, and as mentioned with the Boss Baby, uh, we learned about this from our loyal listener Ann Cottonetti. Yes, uh, that is a children's board book called uh, the The Boss Baby by Marla Frazzi from 2013. And as you mentioned, it is still in the top ten. It's number nine. Gonna gonna make. They're making a sequel. <laughs> I bet Alec Baldwin takes more money home from Boss Baby than Johnny Depp does from this Pirates movie. <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's any way that's true. Really? I don't, I don't think there's any chance you that's You don't true. think Baldwin has written into that contract that he has some well, giant just, percentage? Well, it's just, well, yeah. I mean, even if he has, let's say he took 10% of the gross, which would be an insane, unthinkable amount of money, that's still like maybe $30 million worldwide? I don't, I don't know. I Like, uh, Johnny Depp got $30 million for walking onto the set day one at Pirates of the Caribbean, I guarantee you. Okay. Fair. Okay. Also, uh, uh, listener Kevin 0.05 on Twitter complains. I'm so, sorry. Hold yes. on. Instant correction. You are certainly right. I the boss mm. baby gross is half of what I thought it yeah. was. Yeah. It's yes. going to be like 32 at the moment or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin 0.05 on Twitter complains. Substandard discussion in Ray mm. dangerous New Jersey theme parks. No mention of Action Park. Uh, for me, uh, JVL, I would say uh, Vernon, New Jersey, is so far up north. From Tom's River, whereas Great Adventure was next door in Jackson. That's why I just never went. Same thing? Action, yeah, never. Action Park is a North hey, Jersey thing. But yeah. people didn't die in Action Park. They just got hurt. There was a great a documentary lot. about Action Park yes, there is. a few years ago. And the owner of, this is how they tested safety for new rides. They would build a new ride. The owner would gather the park staff together after hours. And he would hold out a $100 bill and say, who wants to try it? And he would pay like these 16-year-old kids working minimum wage for the summer 
a hundred bucks to try out a ride. And their measure was if the person could get down the ride intact, then it was fine to open it up to the public tomorrow. Hmm. It was like concrete slides. Sure, why not? You know what? Also, by the way, I just wanna... it was a different time. Yes, it was a different time. Also, I, I did not, I did not, uh, besides Action Park, I also didn't go to Brigadine Castle or the Castle at Long Branch. Not because they were far, but because the commercial scared too the scary. shit out of me. Just Brigantine terrified. Castle, too oh, scary. never going there. Spirit of the Week is George Dickel Rye, uh, which is very nice, sweet, and smooth. Yeah. Uh, the best rye for making Manhattans with. Yep, there I'm, you go. I, I, we may have done this one before, but it, it is, if you just, uh, two ounces of yep. George Dickel Rye with one ounce of sweet vermouth, and a couple dashes of bitters, throw a maraschino cherry in there. You have yourself a fine cocktail, my friend. Going back to Rye Old Fashions, Rye Manhans, those are great. Uh, I believe that's all the time we are giving to this episode. So questions, comments, complaints, compliments, tweet us at Victory Nomadis at Study Bunch. At JV Last. Uh, again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in Substandard on podcasts. We're there. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Don't forget Substandard show notes will possibly be up on Friday at 11 a.m. Hard to say. Until next time. There may not even be any music, so you just... Oh, that's a good one. I thought that was the music right there. I had all sorts of stuff planned out to talk about Amber Heard, because I'm going to turn that direction on Johnny Depp. That's okay. No, no, no. I was... I want to say I only have one anecdote of Action Park, and it's a friend of a friend worked there, and he uh, worked the entrance collecting tickets, and so he's a teenager in the 80s, and what he did was for any sort of decent and above-looking girl, he would just say, hey, you want to make out later? And of course, you know, these girls are like, ew, gross, disgusting, but the law of probability, because you're going through hundreds if not thousands of people every day, eventually he was making out every day with somebody. Yeah. Again. It was a different time. It was a different Today, time. Today, you do that once. Somebody tweets about it. Five minutes later, you're fired. Yeah. You're not, not only have you been fired, but you can never work again. Right. Anywhere. Literally anywhere. And, yeah. Anywhere. You, you're, uh, you're a ghost. As it turns out, it's not fine.